Dylan, thank you so much for hopping on. Would you mind just telling us who you are and what your role with ABMAT is for those that don't know? Uh, yeah. So my name is Dylan Tellum. I am the uh, co-owner of ABMAT, and I primarily spearhead our product development. I'm involved in several different facets of the business, including our online sales direct to consumer and our social media presence. Got it. Um, and you released quite a bit of new products this year. And the goal of this chat is really to kind of get a, get a quick run through of them and hear some of the backstories plus a little bit more, but with that in mind, could you give us a quick rundown of just what those products released uh, this year were? Yeah. So when you sent over the list of the things that you wanted to talk about for this podcast, obviously I, I reflected on this past year and I started writing down all the different products that we released and I was kind of amazed myself because I don't really look back a whole lot. I'm usually just, you know, stressing out about the future. And we've released 11 products this year so far, and we're going to be releasing about either two to four more before the year's up, which is over one a month. Um, yeah. and, you know, in the grand scheme of things for a lot of companies, 11 products is not a whole lot, but when our entire company currently has 34 different products, you know, it's just under 33% of all of our products that were released within the last 12 months. So not to mention they're some of our best, so, um, you know, and a, I'm, few, I'm a few years ago, it was just the ad mat. Yeah. It was, I mean, right? <laughs> I, I was shooting some social media content earlier this week and, um, we did this one thing where it was, we were kind of reflecting on um, the years of AdMat, like the timeline. It was like in 1999, we, you know, we helped revolutionize the sit-up, and then for 20 years, we didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> and now it's just back to back to back, month after month after month, we're releasing products. And it's uh, it from the surface, you know, from the customer standpoint or a follower standpoint or a spectator, they may look at this and go, "Wow, these guys come up with an idea every week and release it by the end of the month." It's not true, you know. A lot of these things are a year in the process or months in the process. Some of them are weeks, but the vast majority of them are around a year to develop, not several months. And uh, from the surface, I could see how it looks like we're just pumping things out left and right, which it's more of just we've been planning on a lot for a long time, and now it's just all coming into fruition. But yeah, the timeline's cool. Awesome. So what what were the 2022 products? I should say. In probably not the right order. This year, we've released the Chest Up Pad, which is a collaboration with Bonnie Schroeder, which is one of my favorite products, not because it's one that I use religiously or one that we make a ton of money off of. It's one of these products that have touched such a niche community and solved such a niche problem for people who are really affected by it. It gave people the power who have lost the ability to do something to do it again. And that from, as a product developer was one of the most rewarding projects I've ever been a part of. So I'm really, really, really proud to be a part of the chest up pad. At around the same time we released the, uh, the forge roller. That was a product that was created by two other individuals that just were trying to sell it on their own. And you know, the, the product was really good. It just makes so much financial sense as a starter roller for body tempering. And since we were the home of the, the actual body tempering table, the DT tempering table. Um, it just made sense for us to have a roller option. So we, we struck a deal with the forge roller guys, Corey and Kevin, to bring their product into the Admat family of products. And it's been a really good harmonious relationship. It was really the first time in which we had product synergy. It was two products that went perfectly together, right? I mean, I guess we've had that in the past with the Admat and the Ab Amigo, but this was the first one that really 
amplified and added an ancillary option to one of our product listings, which I started focusing a lot more on because it can amplify the sales. You know, I just most recently got uh, invited to the home gym discord page and I don't, I'm not active in it, but I, I was reading some of the, the comments in it and Adman's mentioned quite a bit actually. And I saw one post from uh, basement Brandon, Brandon said, you know, is that sometimes Abmat confuses me with the products that they release because I can't really tell who their market is, but I'd be damned if I don't find use for almost every single one of them. So yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think a lot more about who our market is when we release products, but adding ancillary products that kind of act as product synergy is now highly within our radar. Shortly after that, we released the magnetic massage gun holder. That was a, a secondary product, an option that we had to our original massage gun which was actually interesting because Travis, the guy who brought the idea to us for the massage gun holder, wanted to originally make a rack attachment. And we were toying around with how do we do that, toying around with, you know, we don't we don't make racks, so whose racks are we making it for? Do we make it a two by two, a two by three, a three by three? And there were so many different questions that came with that product that we decided just to make a handheld one because I figured it was a lower barrier to entry in the market, right? You don't need a rack and a massage gun, you just need a massage gun, um, mm -hmm. so it kind of amplified the market size a little bit, and we knew how to make it. So we, we originally made the original massage gun holder, and then we came up with a way to make a magnetic attachment that utilized that was universal for all all different power racks. So uh, once we had a very cogent idea of how to produce this product with no asterisks, at that point in time, we decided it was time to release that one. And nothing game changing over it. But what we really released that product for was just to show that we're thinking of things differently. You know, we found a solution to something that had been even keeping us up at night and we brought it to the market. And I hope that more people start to utilize universal rack attachments that are based off of magnets. So yeah. that was really that one. After that, we had a, a really cool product that had been mentioned to me more often than any other product. So the loadable dumbbell, very simple little, looks like a, a foam rubber stopper that just goes on the end of loadable dumbbells for resting on your legs. This one was mentioned to me on several different occasions by many different people. And I never really had a cogent way on how to solve the problem. And until we started working with David Ote uh, with Men's Health Magazine, and he kind of helped us guide through the, what the problem was, how, what the best way to solve it was. And we've made this product coming out of the pandemic when so many people had just recently purchased adjustable and loadable dumbbells uh, because they either weren't within the price range of buying you know, the five to 50 pound sets or they were just unavailable. So a lot of people want the traditional loadable route and the pain points were very prevalent. You know, it's again, it's not a product that everybody is going to need and or want, but the people who are experiencing the problem have been benefiting from it greatly. Uh, so much so that the loadable dumbbell cushions actually won Men's Health uh, Magazine Fitness Accessory of the Year Award, which out of, out of all the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, it's, it's a niche product and, and it was it made in collaboration with someone from Men's Health. So it was just very prevalent within their radar. And so it was just uh, really easily onboarded with them. So a uh, cool project, but one that I'm very happy to be a part of. But another big influence that we had this year was adding to our crash cushion line. So our crash cushion line, as you know, you know, you, you were the one that really helped get us into that market. It's grown from just the standard traditional pad to it went from uh, the standard traditional crash cushions to the log crash cushions. And we added to that line this year with two products. We did our Atlas Stone return ramp, which obviously is just, it's made for Atlas Stones. You drop it over a yoke and rather, it, traditionally, you either just 
destroy your floors or it lands on some cushion and then you have a, a spotter that basically guides it to make sure it doesn't roll off or you know go shooting through some plate glass window or something mm -hmm. uh, we made a pad that just kind of acts as like one of those return hoops that you have for a basketball uh training facility which is kind of mm -hmm. our inspiration on it and it just was a little ramp that shot back um, it was something that was kind of on my mind and my radar but i started uh seeing a, a guy that I follow that runs a strongman uh, gym called Untamed Strength named Alan Thrall, Alan Thrall out, out in Sacramento, California. And he started making this mat contraption utilizing one of our old crash cushions and like 50 different horse stall mats to make like mm -hmm. a pyramid shaped ramp. Mm -hmm. It just looks so complicated. He kept building it and building it and it functioned perfectly by the time when he was done with it. But I just kept watching him build this. And, I started thinking, man, I could probably just slant the foam rather than having to build a surface to put the cushion on. And I reached out to him and he, we, he and I went back and forth and talking about dimensions on everything. And there was a lot of back and forth on that product and a lot of testing with it. And I knew it wasn't going to be a huge market, right? It was just one of those things where you felt like you need to do it because you have the idea. Mm -hmm. um, but we produced this product that came out perfectly and it works great. And he's been promoting it and we sell few of them but it's just a solution yeah. you know, yeah. we didn't we didn't do it somebody else might have and then i'd have to feel you know kind of ashamed for not doing it first but a similar story with the crash cushion line with uh, a guy named Derek crass Derek, you know who Derek crass is Derek, Derek no. Crass is the guy who invented the dc blocks those stackable plastic composite uh kind of platforms they look kind of like uh, yeah I'm, I'm familiar with those yeah and i know what you're about to say but yeah, yeah. so he, he we made the dc uh block toppers with it because Derek Crass, uh, that's what DC stands for. Um, mm. Derek Crass was this Olympian weightlifter and he made these platforms that were stackable. He's, believe it or not, when he's actually from Belleville, Illinois, which is about five minutes away from my factory. <laughs> so, and he went from living in Belleville to now living in Florida, and I went from living in Florida to now living in Belleville. <laughs> we just kind of connected over the strange circumstances of where our yeah. life took us and where we're <laughs> And I love his product just because it's so cool. You know, my brother played with Legos growing up all the time. So I always saw these and thought of them as Legos and DC. I'm a huge Marvel nut. So I just uh -huh. competitive nature between the two. But I always just had this little, I guess, call it an affinity for this product. So I wanted to work with him on it. And he wanted to make a foam copper for it. And I came up with a real clever, easy way to do it that kind of created the inverse of the Lego piece. So these things just drop right on top. And, and again, these are going to be sold primarily towards like collegiate facilities that are buying hundreds of these things for different polling training uh, practices. Yeah. So uh, not a huge mover for us, but it really helps solidify our crash cushion line is having an option for anyone, right? One of the cooler projects, now I'm adding this one into a product that we released this year, even though it was a very limited run. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it. You did see it. You actually reposted it. Was the Frankenstein pad? Mm -hmm. Donnie Thompson. This was one of the fastest products that I've ever released ever. Donnie <laughs> mentioned this about a year ago or so. He wanted me to make this pad for him in the shape of a coffin. And I said, Donnie, I, I don't make bench pads. <laughs> you know, I don't even make benches. Uh, I don't think anyone would buy one. He kept asking me, asking me about it. And then about maybe nine months ago, he said, hey, I want to do a limited release of these things just for Halloween time. And I was like, all right, whatever. I committed to him. And then uh, there was no conversation about it for months. And then uh, several months back, 
I said, hey, are we still doing this thing? Because if so, I need a piece of wood. So he cut this piece of wood up and then he took a picture of it, put, posted it online and sent me that piece of wood. And I covered it and I had my, we just hired this new graphics guy that's in house. So he was able to make some graphics for us and take some photos of it really quickly. And we released that thing and we sold quite a bit of them. You know, we, our plan was to release them with Rogue. Uh, we didn't hear back from them. We, quite frankly, we only gave them like three days heads up. It's like, yeah. we got this, do you want to do this for Halloween? Uh-huh. They said, we absolutely love it. We just don't have time. We're doing the games and all that stuff. So there was some issues with what do we call it? Um, you know, because we were going to call it the monster fat pad, but you know, as you know, rogue has the trademark on monster and fat pad. Mm. Uh, so once, once they said that there was, might be some issues with that, we just completely pivoted and called it the Frankenstein pad and Got it. <laughs> limited release and they actually sold quite a bit of them. You know, it was a fun little project to be a part of, but we might do that again next year. Uh, depending on what, what, what occurs between now and then we had, uh, a big change of events with our boxes, our Rue boxes. We had a new capability that, uh, became available to us, uh, became available to us. We, we've been planning it for some time. We, about a year ago, we purchased this, the most complex advanced UV printer, um, that has ever been made. We got the first one that landed here in North America. We purchased it over from Italy and it took eight months for it to get here from them building it out to shipping it and sending it up here. And you've probably been seeing some of the stuff that we've been doing. The Frankenstein pad was one of the products that was released with that UV printer. Uh, but we're also using the same thing to print our uh, root boxes. So these custom panels that you're seeing online, those are all just custom jobs that we did just to show kind of the range of our capabilities. But we opened up free customizations on our root boxes uh, to try to give a little bit more of a value add for the, the high price point of the product and it's been doing fairly well and it's opened up a lot of really cool opportunities for us. And rather than just selling the one product, it's now looking like, wow, we can do really, really cool, small run projects of customized things because mm -hmm. the biggest issue that I've noticed with customizations, let me remind you, I've had zero experience with customizations prior to this, right? We've done some custom right. branding for distributors and stuff, but that's when they were just buying a thousand. We never did one off project. We never did one off anything. Everything that Abmat has done has been large-scale manufacturing. It's what we're set up for. But this printer is making us think of a lot of different things, you know. So I follow, obviously, a lot of other companies that do customizations, right? Because I look at someone. I think the best in the game is Pioneer, right? I look at Pioneer, and he'll post just a, a picture of a belt with, you know, a donut design on it. And this thing's getting three, four, five thousand 5,000 likes and hundreds of comments. And people yeah. are willing to shell out three, four, five hundred dollars for a custom leather belt, you know, that takes some time to get to you. And we're, we sit there and go, okay, well, maybe we can get them to do the same thing with a box, <laughs> you know, yeah. some of our other products. But we, instead of adding two or three hundred percent to the price, we do it for free. Um, how do we get that messaging out there? Um, turns out the biggest issue, a lot of people just don't have designs. They don't have logos or, yeah. you know, everybody wants me to put you know, Supreme or Batman's logo on it, or, you know, the uh, Green Lantern. I can't do that. They're trademark logos, but, oh, nice cup. <laughs> I, would I was hoping you'd see that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so what we're thinking now is there's probably a greater value in just doing small runs, you know? So we, we create our own designs, work with designers, work with influencers who have really cool logos and a really cool audience that would love to buy some of their branded equipment. 
and we do small runs uh, yeah. utilizing our customer shop. So we don't have to have as much one-on-one -on -one conversation back and forth to narrow down just one logo. We can maximize uh, what we do best, which is doing things in bulk or larger orders while still take, keeping that customization element. So we're gonna start looking into that pretty heavily and probably doing more uh, limited runs of uh, whether it's bench covers or bench tops or boxes or ab mats or crash cushions or any of our products really. We're, we're gonna start looking into more made to design type small runs. Yeah, I mean, so, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The barbell bomb was released on July 4th. Uh, easy to know because it was a bomb firework, right? Fourth of July. Uh, blew it out of the park. Out, out, like, I did not expect this product to scale as fast in the way this thing did. It was just ridiculous. I don't know if it was just proper timing or just it was priced properly or if it just solved such a need that people were looking for. This is the number one selling ad map product right now. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. You know, it was just everything went right with it. It's, it, it solved something that people needed. It gave them more convenience and university, university to, uh, to it. And it was priced very competitively, you know, 40 really bucks. well, you know, what, what, what can you buy for 45 bucks in the gym, especially at Adman? <laughs> right. Or anywhere really. Yeah. You know, so it was just, it, it was priced perfectly. And now everybody's picking it up, you know, and it was based off of a really good idea. I saw this gut wrench that was being promoted by yeah. Eric Chesson was stronger than you. He sent me one. Um, he connected with me. I don't know who connected us. Might have been you, but he reached out to me at one point in time. Said, "Hey, I love your twenty-pound medicine ball. Want to trade?" So I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> he sent me a gut wrench, and I had it sitting here for some time, and I thought it was cool. It just had a couple of issues with it. One, it was too expensive. Yeah. Um, two, mm -hmm. it was overcomplicated in its manufacturing. Nobody can make that and sell it profitably for a lower cost, uh, just because the th whole thing was handmade. And three, it had a little bit of this plate wobble to it. So with, with that product, it had a little bit of a shelf because they had created this bulb, but they covered it with just the standard uh, pipe cover. So it didn't keep the, the shape of the bulb that they were trying to create. It had this little shelf that once you got it to a specific height, it acted more of a plate rather than a globe. Um, so that was my only issue with the product. And we had planned on making some type of option. Well, I guess I'll tell you a little bit more of this story just because it's a good one. We had planned on making a very different product, right? I wanted to make something that acted more as a tennis ball hack, right? Yeah. Just a little tiny tip to go over it. And it was based off of this video that had been circulating on a hack for landmines, right? Shove it into a corner with this very simple attachment. Cla classic hack, yeah. Yeah. So, and I had planned on working with somebody else on this project, but it got sideways pretty quickly. I got hit with COVID the day that we were supposed to have the Zoom call, and then I got ghosted on the Zoom call, so it didn't end up working out. I just, I don't beg to work with anybody. You know? Right, yeah. I, I invest in relationships, not products, and that one wasn't off to a good start. So we pivoted, and we started changing the product up a little bit. We came one after iteration and iteration, and my plan was, uh, when we were developing this, was it to be kind of act as like, it was going to be double uh, faceted, right? I don't make products that do two things, but this one was going to be a loadable dumbbell cushion, and it was going to be this little tennis ball hack landmine, and it was going to look kind of bulbous. If I could, might be able to find it. This is what I was going to make, right? And it, it, was going to, it was going to kind of double dip. And then we started looking at the product and changing it up, and I once, once I made a sample of this thing, I realized 
it didn't do either of the two things I wanted it to do perfectly. It just kind of was an option, right? So we started changing it around and my conversations with uh, David Ote led us more towards something with a flat shelf, you know, for doing loadable dumbbells. So I 3D printed something like this and realized, okay, this is a little wonky and weird. So we ended up something with more of what you're used to seeing, which is this more plasticky type shape thing. You know, it looks more like a rubber stopper and that's ultimately the direction that we went. went. And then after we had pivoted from where we started with this one product, right, and ended up with something like this, we thought of, okay, now how do we take this and make it a better landmine? And we started molding it and molding it and molding it and going with different prototypes and different shapes. And once we found ourselves something, uh, I have a plastic one that is inherently the shape of this, I looked at this and I went, okay, now we've just recreated the gut wrench. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this is so close to the original design in, uh, that there's there's no way that we can not work with these guys. So I contacted uh, Eric Chesson, who just is one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. And his, his uh, business partner, Ryan, is, gosh, I, I, I want to have a beer with that guy so bad. Uh, he's just such a strange dude. I feel like we'd get along so well. But anyway, <laughs> I contacted these guys. I said, listen, man, I, I love what you're doing. I started developing a product and it, I'm not going to lie. At the end of it, I looked at it and I went, it's a gut wrench. It's, it's basically it, you know, and I can't in, in, in good conscience move forward with this product without you being involved. So they said, yeah, you know what? We wanted to do something like that anyways. We had tried it in the past, went down that rabbit hole and realized that we just couldn't do it. We didn't have the capabilities and the connections to make that happen. They, so we went back and forth. We made some more design changes, made some more edits, kind of leveraged the knowledge that they had on the product and what we had in, on the material side of things and the foam side of things. And we ended up creating this product and releasing it together. And it's been fantastic. Um, it, it really solved a need for them and their customers and provided them with a very, 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 very good royalty uh, opportunity that should make them an absurd amount of money over the neck of the, over the course of that product's life cycle. Um, awesome. It, and it's like a third of the price of, yes, it's a third, if not of, a fourth of the price, maybe it's a yeah. third, of, it's a third of the price. And you know, though the other, the, the original gut wrench still has its place in the market. They're still making it and it's probably better for more, uh, long-term rugged outdoor uses, you know, but this one has, perfected a lot of the inherently small flaws, what I thought was, uh, came from the original design, which was only capable of utilizing this foam technology in which we used and the shape. Yeah. It's, yeah. I it's, mean, I, I have to say, I liked the original gut wrench and I'm thought, sure thought it was a better option for a lot of people than having a rack mounted. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's really cool. Which just goes to show about products, right? You can have the perfect solution at the wrong price point and no one's ever going to know about it, you know, but if you make, and it wasn't their fault. They made a really damn good product. They, they hand welded the stainless steel in the back of a garage and put this thing all together, powder coated it. And, you know, just, it costs so much to make that thing, but to mold the product and to bring it into the market at a lower price point and position it differently. You know, it's just going to give the product a whole new opportunity. There you go. Interesting. I actually have it right on my desk. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful product. You know, so, and you can imagine it's not easy to make that and it's definitely not cheap, especially with the way prices have been going up and that's several different commodities combined. No. And, and like you said, this will last Yeah. for a very, very long time. It's, it, this is a few years old. It's, you know, it has some scuffs, but overall it's. It's not going to be affected too much 
mm. in any situation. So after the barbell bomb, I believe the product that we released after was kind of a, a, a two-faced product. It was the split squat pad. So the split squat pad was a very interesting story as well. You know Kelly Starrett? Yeah. Okay. Well, Kelly Starrett and I met for the first time at the CrossFit Games the year prior. It was very. It was a fleeting conversation. I saw him. I was. I was eating some tacos from a food truck passing by. I said, "What up, K Star?" And I shook his hand. He said, "Hey, you're the Admat guy." I said, "Yeah." He said, "You make some cool stuff, man." He said, "I really love the barbell pillows." I'm like, "Right, great." Out of all the things, that's the one. <laughs> out of all the things that we've done, you chose the one product I had zero involvement in, and we spent almost nothing designing. <laughs> so, um, nonetheless, that was when I met Kelly Starrett, and I've had my a relationship with uh, Matt Vincent, with Hate Brand Goods, uh, and Bonnie Schroeder, who um, work together, and they. They live right over here in St. Louis, and I developed a couple of products with Matt and one with Bonnie, and they're really good friends with Kelly Starrett. And um, Kelly Starrett reached out to me, and we hopped on a Zoom call. He said he had a product idea he wanted to go over, and naturally, I take that call. And yeah, it was a real late Zoom call. He said, Dylan, he said, I want to be, a, he said, I program split squats all the time. He said, but the variable heights is an issue. And I want to be able to utilize a barbell within a rack just to be able to change the height rather than having to have a stand, right? And he said, I want to be able to save space and make it a little bit more convenient and accessible. Uh, so, okay. We made a couple of different options and some different iterations based off of his original thoughts of how it could be made and completely failed. There was a lot of things that you just couldn't do with wrapped foam, right? We cut it out of foam, try to wrap it. It just... It made for a very ugly looking product that I didn't think we'd be able to produce. And there was no margin in it. Just, it solved the problem. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it didn't work from a product standpoint. So we ended up looking more towards molding, which is always a, a, a barrier uh, to entry. Cause you go from, you know, I'm just going to order a few pieces of foam, cut it down, wrap it in vinyl. My, my cost is going to be five or $6,000 to, we're going to start molding this. We're going to be, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 invested in before we even make any, right? So we started looking into molding and I solved what I, I, I thought I solved the problem, right? I made a product and he said, nope, that's not it. Uh, I said, okay. We went back to the <laughs> drawing board and I was laying in bed one night and I had a very cogent idea of how to do this. Utilize the end of a barbell that with the you know rotating bearing or the bushing of the, of the actual barbell sleeve itself. Uh, counterbalance it with the weight on the other side. I don't think it's a big ask. So I came back to work the other day and I uh, made one up out of some foam that I had, corded out, chopped it off, threw it on, called Austin into the our little prototype room. He looked at it and said, "Yeah, that's it." So we. Worked with Kelly, got the shape right, the dimensions right. Uh, we've made it in a hexagonal shape to create this little shelf for your, your foot to really latch onto. And uh, we looked into molding it. And naturally, our, our go-to response with the product at AdMat is to make the best possible product that we can, utilizing, you know, sparing no cost. So we did that. And we created the Split Squat Pad Pro, uh, this molded version that was going to be closer to 75 80 bucks. Um, and we looked at each other and said, this is a beautiful, beautiful solution to this problem. But what's going to happen when we release this? 
first thing somebody's going to say is, I'm just going to buy a $20 foam roller and put a hole through it. Very dangerous to do. If you're going to do so, I don't recommend drilling. I recommend you taking a 1.975 diameter pipe, putting it in a vise and torching the snot out of it, getting it really hot, and then pressing the roller through it. Uh, wear a face mask and do it in a well-ventilated area if you're going to try it. But we thought, okay, well, let's do that. We, let's, for the first time ever, make a low-cost solution and a premium solution and see how the market reacts. Uh, so we went and said we found a company that makes rollers for Amazon, and we made a deal with them to produce this roller for us in the specific shape with the hole in it. And they gave us an exclusivity on the design by bringing it to them, and we struck a deal with them. And long story short, this is the first time that we have ever released an option with a, you know, a $29.95 option and a premium option. And we thought it was going to be about 10 to 1. We sell 10 of the cheaper ones for every one of the premium ones, but it's actually closer to 4 to 1. You know, so we sell. Oh, yeah. Nice. It was, it was a surprise. We sell four cheap rollers for every time we sell a premium one. So it was a happy, happy solution. And it satisfied both of us because now we could say, hey, listen. We gave you the best of the best, and we gave you the best based off of price. Right. It's substantially cheaper than if you were to do a DIY project, you know, unless for some reason you already had all these tools in a foam cutting facility in the back of your garage. So um, we were very happy with that product, and it's performing very well. But within the process of developing that product, I told you that I made another variation of it that didn't perform properly. It's turned into another product. <laughs> so uh, what we found that it was not good uh, for split squats, it's very good for a, another purpose. And we, hmm. yeah, so we are going to be releasing another product here before the end of the year uh, that utilize, that is in collaboration with Kelly Starrett. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't just we made this product and then we found something that you could do with it, no it inspired us to go down this rabbit hole that led us to about 50 or 60 variations and a, a completely new system of molding that we've never done before. This is the first time in which we've combined over molding a, pla uh, a, a very strong plastic composite and this foam system in which we're using. So it's, it's two materials molded into one, um, which is, doesn't seem that crazy, you know, and it'll look just like a normal Abmat foam molded product, but it's, it's very advanced, comparatively speaking, from what we've done in the past. And I think it's going to be an astronomical product for us, something that sells, if not the same tune as the barbell bomb, but potentially higher. So you know, uh, I'll, 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 I'll let you toy around with what that may or may not be. But uh, I mean, off the, off the top of my head, thinking about trends, and we can bleep this out if, if, I, if, you, <laughs> if you react and, and it gives it away, but... I mean, I'm thinking like hip thrust. Okay. I know you already have a product for hip thrust. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, you're, 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 you've got you've identified one trend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I'll, I, I don't want to over toes. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you know what? It's not everybody's going to see it, but yeah, you're, you're on the right track. <laughs> Gotcha. So after that, we after the uh, split squat pad, the, the last product that we released uh, most recently was the landmine grip. This one was as uh, this one was different than what I had expected. So the landmine grip was something that I produced primarily because of our involvement with the barbell bomb, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so I know you follow us on IG. You probably saw the little story that I gave uh, of the history of that one particular product. Um, it was approached to me by a guy named Jesse. 
the inventor of the breath belt, and he wanted me to produce this product for him, uh, which was really just a, a back of the napkin type idea at the time. And it was something that I noticed that was growing. He was, uh, he was talking about how he made up this idea and his buddy from Landmine University was gonna help promote it. Landmine University at the time had only a few thousand followers and I didn't see it you know, as the, the huge movement that it is now today. You know, now this guy has blown up. He has tens of thousands of followers. He's in Men's Health Magazine for his training and he's getting just promoted everywhere you go. And it, there's really a solidarity to Landmine training right now. And um, it just, there's so much that you could do with just a small little simple accessory for, you know, a land, with a landmine. So I took a look at this product and thought, okay, is this gonna change the game for everybody? No, is this going to give people the ability to do something that they've never done before or haven't been able to do? No, but is this gonna provide a more comfortable solution for the people that do this religiously? And the answer was just yes. Made a prototype. I found myself using it more often than not, and I just enjoyed it. And I looked at it and said, "Okay, if I sell one of these to every one out of fifty people that buy a barbell bomb, this product will pay for itself within the first year." Mm. So that that was my rationale behind it. It was it was a financial standpoint of numbers and just purely whether or not this would be used as an upsell in as an ancillary product to one of our best selling products. And the answer was yes. So we rolled it out and. I do love the product. I did not love the industry's response to it. You know, just mostly. Um, I was surprised too. It was an over-sexualization of a product. Yeah. <laughs> Which I get it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it was apparent to me when I did this, you know. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be the main comment, let alone the only one. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have added a hemispherical head to the end of it. It was just substantially flat. Uh, originally, but um, <laughs> throughout the process, I re I've watched a video of Kelly Starrett using the end of a barbell, right, for trigger point therapy for some pectoral work. That's it. I saw that mm -hmm. video and I thought, you know, I can just round out the top of that grip and provide a more comfortable solution for doing that. And it would not affect or take away from the original design of the, of the product and it actually added a nicer feel to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we made that change. Uh, not one person stopped me and said, Dylan, don't do that. <laughs> you know? I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so we released this product and uh, it was kind of funny to be a part of it. You know, people were mentioning it should be sold at like Spencer's gifts rather than that, Matt. But uh, <laughs> I still like the product. People are going to use it. And I think one of the bigger things with this product that I've realized is going to be mostly for like outdoor landmine work uh, throughout the year. Right. Because yeah, I, I, Obviously we do a lot of photo shoots. I put a couple barbells outside for this outside workout that we were doing for a photo shoot a few months back. And I went to go get them like an hour or two later, I burnt my hands. I couldn't touch these things. It was, the barbell was so hot. I could not literally hold this thing for five seconds to bring it inside. Um, and same is true with outside workouts. You know, your gym's, it's getting cold out right now. Your gym's yep, not heated, your barbell's sure. cold. Uh, you know, so this, call it like an oven mitt for your barbell for landmine work, it just, it, it doesn't have the same surface temperature of that of bare steel. So it, it, uh, it makes it really nice for, you know, trying to control your weather environment, but, Yeah, which I think people will adopt later on. But uh, my position with the product now is just kind of let the product run its course, get it situated, get people using it and, and not uh, focus my promotions around that product as much as the barbell bomb. Cause we found at AdMat some of the, one of the better things that we can do to promote our, our less known products 
is not by promoting them on social media, it's promoting our most known products so it gets people to our website so they see it. It has a greater effect to our bottom line and gets more attention at the end of the day. So I'm going to spend more time producing barbell bomb content with the landmine grip in it uh, rather than landmine grip content with the barbell bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that'll catch on. It's kind of a lower price point as well. So, and I think, I think once you, once you start getting more content with both of those together, it just makes sense. So, you know, you could buy, we, we, we discount the product for if you buy one or the other on our website. So if somebody buys a barbell bump, you know, they get immediate coupon to, for $10 off a landmine grip. Mm, for 75 gotcha. bucks, you get a, a, a landmine uh, and a grip, you know, so you could do this thing anywhere with, that's just yeah. insanely convenient with two little attachments. It'll catch on. I'm cool. But yeah, that's, uh, that's our, our, our product uh, release for uh, the year so far. We've got maybe two to four more products coming out this year, depending on how froggy we feel um, through the holiday season. And a few products <laughs> lined up for next year that I'm pretty excited about already. And uh, next year, I'm going to focus more on uh, bringing the community into, kind of bringing them into our product development, you know, and making it so the community can help us pick colors, May help us pick the name. Uh, you know, if we do something that has incremental weights, maybe they can help us determine which one we release next, whether it's heavier or lighter. And yeah. just try to get people a little bit more invested into some of the projects that we're going to be partaking on. Cool. Well, just like speaking of community, and I'm I'm curious to hear, like, since you've you've made it clear that you're willing to work with specific individuals from the community or inventors. I'm curious to hear like how many people actually do reach out and say, Hey, I have an idea. Is it like 10, a, 10 a day or one a month? It's very cyclical. You know, sometimes I'll go a week without hearing anybody. Uh, I think I sometimes uh, I'll get four or five in a day. It really depends. Uh, I get a lot more around product releases, right? Cause our product releases, they get a lot of attention because we're releasing something new, unique, and novel that has never been seen before. We did a poll recently on our Instagram and asked why people why, asked people why they follow us, and the vast majority of them said new product releases. Uh, they want to see something new, right? Whether or not it solves their problem. And uh, to be very clear, nobody in the world will ever buy all of Abmat's products, right? We're not all things to one person. Uh, we're solutions company, right? And the products that we release may not be a problem that you have. So they either get insane amounts of love or a small amount of hate, just because it may not apply to that one person. But uh, when we do release a product, we like to give ample credit to the person that we collaborated with and the inventor. And I think that resonates well within the community and people look at that and go, okay, these guys were with individuals. And I'm an individual. This seems like something that I can do. It really puts them in that scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And around product releases, I will get a lot more interest in people reaching out to me. Whether or not I take those calls and the reasons why has been, get, has been changing and morphing as the company does. And I get more and more people that are wanting to work with us. And the frequency to which we develop the product has been changing as well. Now that we've solved a plethora of pro problems within Home Gym 34 specifically, uh, a lot of them have already been solved. So a lot of the products that people pitch me now are either A, uh, something that we already have a solution for that is just a different variation, 
that I'm already heavily invested into my solution or the original one that I can't, you know, go out of my way to do a second product uh, or two. Um, I get a ton, the vast majority of people that reach out to me with a solution uh, or a, a product that they want to develop requires another product, right? So they'll say, oh, I have so-and-so's company uh, pro uh, uh, product and I would love this attachment to make it better. I don't want to do that because one, yeah. if I don't get that company involved in the project, then I'm having to market around that company without using their trademarks or anything. Uh, or it may, or they might just do it themselves. Like I had that learning experience with the massage gun holder, right? I built yeah. a product that was only applicable if you had a hypervolt. And then once I developed it, hypervolt changed their design. <laughs> you know? yeah. So now it's 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 narrowing the market. And I don't like to invest into the things that are only going to get a diminishing return uh, every time you post it or as the years go on. I want to invest in things that are going to be constantly, and I don't want the limiting factors of having to have another product involved that I'm not in control of or I don't sell. So I get a lot of those. Um, I've also been getting a lot of people that reach out to me with products that we are currently working on. Um, so when somebody reaches out to me with the product now, I'm very, very clear and specific about how I tell them to do it. Somebody will normally reach out and say, hey, I got an idea for a project, a product. Who do I talk to and what's the best way to go about this? I immediately email them back, say, hey, listen, appreciate you reaching out and thinking of us. It means a lot. It really does. The fact that somebody will reach out to us over anybody else with an idea because they know we're accessible, right? Mm -hmm. um, I tell them, don't send me anything. Don't mention the product. Uh, don't send me any drawings. Um, simply hop on a phone call with me when it's convenient. I'll give them a day. They call me at any time. And I told them, listen, constantly doing a lot. Uh, we're working on. You know, I got a board behind me with about 15, 20 different projects in which I'm currently working on with different people from around the world. I said, if, if for any reason what you're about to present me is either one, something I'm currently working on, two, something I know somebody else is working on, I'm going to stop you in your tracks and tell you about that or send you a picture immediately of where I'm at in my process so that I can validate what I'm saying. The last thing I ever want to do is have somebody think that I hear their ideas and then take them. It's not mm -hmm. the case, but it's just this disclaimer that I felt necessary to start implementing to as a preventative measure, right? Uh, so because we're growing and so many people are looking to work out, uh, work with us and so many industry leaders are reaching out to us and we're collabing on products with them, I have so much going on right now that most of the calls that I get now are primarily overlaps, right? Um, but one out of maybe 10, maybe two out of 10, we end up doing something with uh, just because they're that good or that unique or that novel. I've found lately I'm more likely to work on a project with somebody who already has one, a large level of influence um, that we can use for initial project launch or marketing, a very in-depth knowledge of the industry to where I don't have to ask the question of whether is this going to be accepted by other industry leaders or not. Right. So if Kelly Starrett tells me I got an idea for the best uh, recovery tool in the world, I'm not going to question whether or not it's legitimate. Right. If Joe Schmo comes to me and says, I've created the best recovery tool in the world, I got to sit there and think, I wonder what Kelly Starrett would say if he saw that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, industry leaders I have are, are much more inclined to work with because I don't have to ask that question. 
So it's a lower barrier to entry. And I've been doing a lot more of finding people who already have developed an idea or starting the process on their own and then working with them because that's where we've proven to have some of the most success. The, our, the best-selling AdMAP products are ones in which people have said, hey, this is a problem that needs we need to find a solution for. Not the one, it's when I'm solving somebody else's problem. I sell a lot more. If I solve one of the problems that I or Austin are having in the gym, we don't sell as many. Mm. I, you know, maybe it's one of those problems looking for a solution or a solution looking for a problem type scenarios, or maybe we're just over biased of our, our solutions to our personal problems. Or, you know, if somebody else mentions it, maybe it just means that a lot more people have that particular problem. So we've been doing a lot more of sourcing and curating the people we work with these days rather than having it open source and just whenever somebody calls, but it's still, still existent, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Still happening. Well, I mean, one out of 10 is even a pretty good ratio. It is. So it means you're getting quality ideas. We're, yeah, we're, we're getting bigger. We're getting better. The things that we're producing are, are, are constantly getting better. People are seeing that. People in the industry are seeing that. And a lot of the collaborations which we're doing now is really word of mouth from one of the last ones. Uh, if I were to narrow down uh, like a butterfly effect of or a snowball effect of how we got all the different relationships in which we currently have, it really comes down to just two products. Uh, you know, I reached out to Donnie Thompson to develop the fat mat. Um, mm -hmm. and that led to us creating the DT tempering table with them and a couple other projects that we're currently working on, uh, which led to connections with, you know, other companies and people who have reached out because of our relationship with Donnie, same with Matt Vincent, uh, you know, and Kelly Starrett and with Aaron Horshay. You know, some of the bigger name collaborations are, it's almost like it's a, working with AdMat for some people within the industry right now is kind of like a, a, a fraternity jacket. You know, Kelly Starrett reached out to me and said, hey, all my friends are making cool stuff with AdMat. I feel like an idiot for not working with you guys. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe you just wanted to try it. Maybe you just wanted to be a part of the AdMat Guild of Inventors, you know, but Corey with the forge roller, he said, I, whatever I need to do to be a part of the AdMat Guild of Inventors, I, I want the forge roller to be an AdMat product. You know, it's, it's a status symbol for some people within the, the very small home gym inventors world Yeah, <laughs> um, to be working with AdMat. So a lot of it's coming through word of mouth and it's almost parlayed from our last collaboration. They're getting bigger. So it's getting a lot more fun and exciting. And the audiences that we have now when we release a product are getting substantially larger. So it's, um, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time for AdMat right now. Awesome. So what can you share about 2023? It's not that I'm trying to withhold any information from you. I really just don't know. <laughs> I really didn't know what this year was going to look like until we got into it, you know, because you never know what type of conversations you're going to have throughout the year or who you're going to meet or what problems are going to be created. You know, AdMath's a solutions problem, uh, a solutions company, right? New problems are being created every single day, and we follow the industry and the trends, you know, and it's, it's constantly vacillating, but you never know what problems are going to occur within the next year, um, you know, new solutions create new problems, you know, so the, the, the trends that occur and the solutions that come out within the industry are going to open up voids and opportunities that AdMath's going to take advantage of and follow and other people are going to recognize and work with us and we're going to continue to fill the, the niche voids within the industry one little tiny piece at a time. I could tell you we got four products coming out and a few that are on my radar one that I told you, the other ancillary product that we got coming out with Kelly Starrett is going to be a really big one. That one actually is also a small collaboration with 
uh, our buddy uh, Kyle, Kyle mm. with uh, Kaizen DIY, who contributed uh, with a very small bit of information that kind of changed how we looked at the design. Um, it morphed over time, uh, kind of more away from the initial thought that he had, but it was still a contributing factor. So we're going to include him in, on this project. I've got a cart coming out for body tempering uh, for uh, that we're going to probably release with Rogue. Uh, it's made more for the DT tempering rollers, just for collegiate facilities to truck them around. Mm -hmm. Kind of stemmed from Donnie Thompson in the Super Bowl. Uh, we were watching the Super Bowl this year, and Donnie Thompson was taking a look at the uh, weight room in, in the beginning, and they had body tempering rollers just scattered around, and people were lugging them around. And he's like, "Dude, we got NFLs breaking their back, NFL players breaking their back before the Super Bowl. We need a cart." So I was like, "You're right." But uh, Matt Salonpop, a guy within the industry with body tempering Iowa, developed this cart that was kind of shoddy workmanship. You know, it was the best that they, great design. It was just welded poorly and just done in the back of a, a welding shop and he was selling them and i reached out to him and said hey man i want to make a cart i think i could make yours a little bit better do you are you okay with me working on it he said sure so we're working on a project for uh for body tempering which is a small market not a ton of people are into it but i see it as something that's going to be growing rapidly within the industry as it becomes more accessible because we've now developed the tools so for years body tempering yeah. was trying to fight uh social acceptance within the community with just steel rollers. They didn't have a table to do it on comfortably that didn't break your rib cages when you roll a 140 pound slug of steel on your back. They didn't have carts to truck these things around. and They didn't have courses or seminars or anything. But all that has been developed over the past several years. And now there's courses and certifications, there's seminars, there's business courses in which you can go and learn body tempering that are gonna become more of like a franchise type model. And they have the equipment gotcha. necessary to develop it now and which we're directly involved in. So I, I see a big growth with body tempering over the next few years, which is why we've invested into it. I'll tell you this, I've just recently started toying around with cast iron. So I got a product that we're gonna be releasing in January that is our first ever molded cast iron product, which mm. I'm pretty excited about. It's a, it's, a, it's a new evolution of weight, um, in my opinion, and a new variation that will add opportunity within the market for those who are willing to take advantage of it and it'll be one of those projects that i develop with the community because i want their involvement in it because it's going to be very very niche it's one of those products that are going to make uh, a big group of people very very happy and a small group of people unnecessarily upset um so i'm kind of i'm kind of looking forward to being able to roll that one out into the market the small group will be louder though Yes, they will. <laughs> they will. Um, but um, my approach to it is going to be insanely open and honest and try to disarm that very loud small group straight from the get-go. So they just sound like an echo and, and they are less likely to post because of their lack of originality. Interesting. Um, so I'm going to kind of uh, reverse troll with that product uh, just to keep the trolling from occurring. I'm going to get out ahead of it. <laughs> But gotcha. I know it's coming, but I'm, I'm going to be prepared for it and put up my blinders. And um, this is going to be the first of what I hope will be several different products uh, that we end up molding out of cast iron that take kind of a more modern approach. It's something that has been done very traditionally for hundreds of years and kind of going back through the lineage of where we've been in the industry from fitness accessories and where we're at now and kind of taking a couple step backs and saying, hey, why did we move on from this original design 
that work better than all the iterations that have come from it after the past couple hundred years. You know, we've over manufactured here. We need to step, take a step back. So that's kind of what my attempt is going to be in molding of cast iron, something solid with less parts and frills. Yeah. So that's something that I'm going to be diving into pretty heavy next year. Molding is without a doubt one of my favorite things within the industry right now because it still makes sense for American made, you know, to make something mm -hmm. with hundreds of steps that with low cost margin, like such as like an ad mat uh, in the United States, it's just very hard. You know, molding yeah. something is so much easier where you could mold something, still create good margin into it, create a better product. Sure, you have to put hundreds of thousands of dollars into tools every single year like we do to be able to develop these things. But at the end, it just gives us a better product and eliminates the possibility for knockoffs because I know the XYZ company that wants to try to take away from my market share doesn't have $250,000 to compete with me straight out of the gate. Right. You know, so it kind of solidifies us. And, um, so I, I'm really really keen on molding right now and i'm trying to question on you know we've really solidified our position and you know we mold foam better than anyone else in the industry right now you know we're going to question whether or not we can mold more uh type of plastic polymers um you know utilize new types of plastic composites that were uh, developed by aerospace and uh, uh space industries uh, we're starting to look to see whether or not we can uh, start using more high-tech polymers uh, within the fitness industry to mold new solutions to things in which general, you know, ABS plastics couldn't do it. We're starting to look on whether we can mold more metals. You know, maybe we mold aluminum, maybe we mold brass, maybe we mold cast iron uh, or ductile iron. Some things that people in the industry have yet to do. We're starting to look at whether or not we should be molding more out of urethane, rubbers. Um, so now that we've built out this branch and network of different shops and tooling capabilities and material sciences that we can utilize, I think we're going to start experiencing a uh, a whole new wave of development with uh, the things that we make here at Abmat now that we're not just limited to molded foam. Now, with these new capabilities, I see a, a huge influx of product development which can occur over 2023 just by questioning material science and what the industry has been doing for tens, hundreds, thousands of years, uh, and asking the question on what can we do now with modern science and technology? Very cool. Well, everybody who's listening, make sure you check out Abmat at abmat.com and following them on Instagram, just simply Abmat. Dylan, is there anything before you go that you would like to get across to the audience? I got a question for you. Okay. What was your favorite Abmat product this year? It was definitely the, um, the bomb. Yeah. But I also really like the customization option on the boxes. Yeah. I think there's those are so cool. And I can definitely see those taking off like a ton mm -hmm. as long as as long as the customization price isn't too much more mm -hmm. going forward. So, but yeah, I, th I mean the out of all the products that you released this year, I definitely thought the the barbell bomb was like a hit right away. Like oh. I knew, I knew that was going to work. It's literally um, the bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's the bomb. But that was actually one. That was the first product in which we didn't name it exactly what it is. You know, so like all of our products are, you know, ab mat, crash cushion. They're very descriptive of uh -huh. exactly what they are. You know, we could have called this, you know, foam molded landmine or something really cheesy, but. I was looking at this thing and I was like, it kind of reminds me of like those Acme Looney Tune like bombs 
you know, so it mm-hmm. missed its shape. So we ended up, it, and it was still close with landmine, right? Bob landmine. So we made it its own thing because it was somewhat inherently different, but and still yeah. unique and novel. But it, we wanted to keep it on brand. So yeah, that was that was a really fun one. But uh, we are going to be at Home Gym Con this year. That's going to be the first live event Abmat has ever done um, as a company. Um, and we're going to be bringing all of our products that are applicable to the home gym market for people to come in and try out and bring in some fun panelists of people that we've worked with in the past and maybe some people that we're going to be working with. And we'll do some live demos and, and some live uh, Q&As to where we can talk about some of our products, our processes, and answer some questions that people have. And we're, I'm hoping that I can bring one or two products in which I can have the community there help us develop choose some colors, choose some names, choose some weights or some iterations of how we'll do it and, and kind of help shape uh, one or two of our product releases right there at the event. So if you're going to be around French Lake, Indiana, for any reason, uh, come by and say how to say how to Jake and I and the rest of the Abmat crew. Super cool. Love to hear that. So yes, make sure if you want to meet Dylan in person without being creepy <laughs> and stalking him, go to home gym con. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it. Jake, appreciate it as always. Got it.